What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America College podcast. Along with Aaron Fitt, I'm John Manuel. This season's podcast is sponsored by Project Lomo. Since losing his dad to lung cancer in 2010, Logan Morrison of the Miami Marlins has worked tirelessly for a cause he cares about, fighting lung cancer. Now he's asking young fans to find a cause they care about and to do something about it. You can learn about it at projectlomo.mlblogs.com, where you can get on the project email update list or by liking Project Lomo on Facebook. It's a really great initiative, and the young fans who do the most amazing projects will have a chance to go to a Marlins game, meet Logan Morrison and some of his teammates, and throw out the first pitch. Oh, and win $1,000 as well. So that's projectlomo.mlblogs.com. We want to thank the guys at Project Lomo for their sponsorship this year. And this is what it's all led up to, Aaron. The Caldwell Series, Omaha, Nebraska, TD Ameritrade Park, Omaha, June 15th to the 25th. And finally, after the longest Super Regional ever, <laughs> we finally have all eight teams set for the Caldwell Series. And, Aaron, uh, frankly, kind of underwhelming Super Regional round in which the two series that went three games were both closed by the team bringing back their ace on short rest, mm. which is underwhelming and not great for college baseball. But you did have two one-run games. You had dramatic games. I'm not sure you had a lot of great high-level college baseball play, but you right. did have high-level college baseball tension throughout Super Regionals. Good call. I mean, I, I think that – the Indiana-Florida State Super Regional was another one that those games were, were sloppy. I mean, I thought they were very entertaining, but sloppy. Um, you know, I thought that uh, UCLA and Fullerton, I thought Fullerton was not crisp. UCLA was. Um, UCLA was very impressive. In UCLA was impressive. Virginia was not crisp um, at all. Um, you know, Kansas State made some defensive mistakes. Vanderbilt, I thought, didn't play that poorly. They just got shut down by, I think, a good pitching staff. Um, so I thought, I thought Vanderbilt Louisville was probably the one where you had the highest level of play. Um, NC state and rice, I thought was, was pretty good too. Don't you think? Yes, that was good. I mean, you know, um, anytime you have, I thought that was, those were two teams where they were pitching and defense teams and they played pitching and defense games. And this can be another jumping off point, Aaron, but fatigued pitching almost never works. And I wish these coaches, and I'm not, I know this makes me sound like a know-it-all. And I don't mean to act like I – I guess I do. But I don't mean to act like I know more than these coaches. But maybe I, I know that's how it's coming off. So I do apologize to any coaches who get this pass along to them or hear this. I'm not trying to be preachy, but I just don't get – I mean, certainly Wayne Graham has forgotten more about everything than I know. But, Aaron, what's he trying to do with Zach Lamond? I mean, Zach Lamond was dead, Jim. <laughs> he threw Monday – in the regional, he it's six yeah. innings. He yeah. came back on Saturday and Sunday, and he was clearly, I think, and this is a guy who had a great year and is a third-team All-American for what he did through regionals. But in the Super Regional, he was gassed, and it showed. Yeah. And I think it cost Rice a chance to go to Omaha because they, they matched up, I think, very evenly with NC State. They didn't have a fifth arm they trusted, you know, and they, they wrote him – <laughs> I know. I mean, they, you know, they have arms and they didn't, I guess they just didn't develop them, but uh, I agree with you. I mean, Lamont, look, he, he came out there um, 
the second day that super regional and the first I think he worked three innings and the first two I think were pretty good and then he ran out of gas and they didn't you know I mean that's one thing I guess that I don't I don't understand that college coaches do is you know they decide well we're gonna live and die with our horse and and I understand why they do okay so I guess I do understand why they do it uh, but I, I don't think it's I just think it's blind dogma sometimes and it's not always the right move i mean pedro martinez i hate to keep going back to the red sox sean but he was oh, the guy God. in 2003 but t- take him out i mean on, he's done first, first off fitzy fitzy first off that's awesome second of all come on give us a grady impersonation um, you, do a great, <laughs> you do a great grady uh, little you know, pedro's our guy so we're just gonna ride him a little bit here <laughs> i don't know that's all i got um oh man i love your grady impersonation holy crap that's all you're right that's it that's the same mentality, and look how well it worked for Boston. Right, uh, but you know, I, I will say that first of all, I mean, give um, North Carolina, I guess, a little bit of a, a pass here because Emmanuel only threw sixty something pitches uh, on on Saturday, and he, and he had two days of rest. He threw and two. Had, today. Just two pitches. Yeah, just two today, and he had two days of rest. Not the same as last week where he threw 124 and then one day of rest and came which back to 50 something. Matt, which is basically what Matt Boyd did, right? Yeah, Matt Boyd threw 123. Had one day of rest, and then he came back and uh, threw twenty something yesterday to close that thing out. So yeah, that's comparable to what Emmanuel did, and and I you know I didn't love that. I mean, Oregon State's got a very deep bullpen. You know, you got a closer who's had a great year, and Scott Schultz. Why don't you use your closer to close the game? I thought what Oregon State did was as bad or worse than what North Carolina did in during regionals with. Uh, well, it's just the, it's the same degree of bad that North Carolina did with Ken Emmanuel. Um, you know, both, uh, you know, anyway, I, I can't, I don't want to beat that dead horse. We've talked about that. People know where we stand on it. Um, I, I don't and, think and it shines a great light on college baseball at this time of year when everyone's paying attention. And just a, one final thought on this. I mean, this isn't just, you know, uh, idiot reporters banging their drums or whatever. I mean, last week when I was making Super Regional Preview calls, John, all everybody wanted to talk about was, can you believe how these guys are using their pitching? These are coaches, you know, peers that just couldn't believe how they were using their pitching. And um, that tells me something. I mean, we get, you know, our opinions are informed by people in the baseball industry that we talk to. Um, no doubt. We're not just making this stuff up. <laughs> no doubt. There's no doubt about it. And the other part of this is that we love college baseball. I mean, we're not coming at this from a point of thinking college baseball is a necessary evil or anything. We love the game. And, again, I just want to see it shine at this time. Um, Aaron, uh, to go revisit another negative subject, I destroyed last week's podcast. So we did record a podcast. It was awesome, and I am uh, 100% at fault for that podcast not getting recorded. And I apologize to all our listeners who were looking forward to that one. But I want to recap what we talked about in that podcast because I have last week's picks. I picked North Carolina to win that regional, that super regional. You picked South CAC. We both picked NC State, so we both got that one. We both picked Fullerton, so we both got that one wrong. In mm-hmm. fact, I think we were both pretty emphatic about it being Fullerton, weren't we? <laughs> yeah. I, hey, I mean, that, that's that's the biggest thing I think that I've been wrong about in the postseason is I didn't give UCLA – well, I, I gave him a chance, but I just – I thought Fullerton was the better team. And, hey, I mean, John Savage said afterward he still thinks they're the best team in the country, and maybe he's just saying that, but I think he believes it. Uh, Fullerton is, has had a great team, and they fell flat at the wrong time, and the Bruins played – well at the right time and and you know give those guys credit i was so impressed i saw you know uh four of their games over the last two weekends here and they have played well and it really does seem like that, that the bruins are a team 
out of all these teams that are left outside of Louisville, I can't think of another team that's playing closer to, I guess, Mississippi State. Those are probably the three teams that are playing closest to their peak right now. Uh, LSU. I'll throw LSU I, in there. The only, see, only LSU thing with LSU. Peak is pretty high. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. But, I mean, and they, you know, they pretty thoroughly dominated Oklahoma in the second game. That's super regional. But they also, I will say, I guess that, you know, for LSU to play at its peak, it needs Ryan Eads to be at his peak, and he has not been the last two weeks. So that's, that's that would be that's, my only point. That's why. Yeah. I, that's that's actually exactly why I left them out of, of their peak. But uh, we both picked LSU to beat Oklahoma. We also both picked Oregon State. We both picked Mississippi State. I'm going to give you credit. I know you backed off a hair one week, but I think when Mississippi State had won four in a row, you said, book it, Johnny. They're going to Omaha. <laughs> and if, if Mississippi State fans were listening to you, they, they probably already had travel plans, actually. But, Aaron, I want to give you credit. You the, they, they were tied for first in the fit matrix, correct? Yes, they were with Louisville. With Louisville. And you were on Mississippi State from the start. And uh, they came through for you, so kudos and congratulations. I mean, it has to be—it's nice to be right. It is nice to be right. I'll admit it. I, you know, we all want to be right. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's the whole—that was the whole crux of this North Carolina NC State thing. These two regionals and super regionals. I wanted those teams to get to the College World Series because we put them on the cover. And now I'm going to get reclaimed because that cover is so awesome. So I feel so good about that. It's probably like I've been here a long time. That might be my favorite thing that we've done at Baseball America is having that cover, the, setting that cover up, getting to meet those guys, those really quality young men, uh, setting up that photo shoot, getting the photographer that we did, Brian Regan, who did a phenomenal job, and then the way how good that issue looked and then how things play out, whether those teams will play in Omaha, that's insane. That yeah. is insane that they will actually play in Omaha. It's perfect. Um, it is perfect. And then the other two uh, regionals we split on, and we 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 picked opposite each other, and then we split. Uh, we both picked Indiana at the start of the regionals to get to Omaha. I backed off of them, not because of how they played or that they almost lost to Valpo. I backed off because I thought Florida State was so impressive in its regional. And I thought Luke Weaver wins one game, and Florida State and the home field advantage wins another one, and that they could win two out of three even though I knew Indiana with that offense really matched up really well down there at Doak Hauser, uh, Dick Hauser Stadium. And, uh, boy, if you weren't right about the Hoosiers, Aaron, congratulations on that pick. Indiana, the only team going to the Caldwell Series that was not in our preseason top 12, which obviously you spearhead, but they were our Big Ten preseason pick in our rankings from week four to the rest of the year. And, boy, if anyone had been listening to you, they would have known that this was not a big shock. It was an upset, but not a yeah. big shock for the Hoosiers to go down there and win that Super Regional because you were on these guys from the get-go. You know, I mean, it, it is it is a big deal because, you know, it's Indiana beat Florida State. But, I mean, they were the, Indiana was the higher-ranked team this weekend. We had them number eight and Florida State number 11, I mean, heading into the postseason. So, I mean, uh, Indiana, <laughs> they are the real deal. I mean, they're they're offensively – they're just so talented, and um, I, you know, and they've got physical, Aaron. They're just so physical. They were more yeah. physical than and, than Florida State, and Florida State's got Jameis Winston. I mean, it's hard to be more physical than a team that has Jameis Winston and DJ Stewart, a couple of, and Marcus yeah. Davis. Those are some physical right. jokers, but but Indiana was more physical. I felt. And you know, the other thing is, I, I like the experience 
in Indiana's infield, and I know that those guys make their mistakes. I mean, that's obviously their bugaboo, but I like that they've got a senior shortstop and a, you know, a junior, a good junior third base with Dustin Demuth. And they might um, make mistakes, but they don't panic. It didn't seem like they panicked yes. at all against Florida State. That's it. That's that was what was so impressive with Indiana was Florida State fought back at those guys every time Indiana took the lead. You know, four nothing early in both those games, Florida State answered right back yep. and, you know, and, and took the lead even. And, and Indiana just was not shaken at all. And that environment for a Big Ten team, I mean, that's, that just was, spoke volumes. I mean, it was, it was like Stony Brook last year. You know, LSU just kept coming back at them, and they didn't, you know, they didn't waver. Well, I thought a, a Northern team would win a regional. I don't know why I wasn't thinking of Indiana. <laughs> you know, I don't know why I picked Bryant, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> um, but a Northern, a team from a Northern conference, did win a Super Regional on the road, and that's Louisville at Vanderbilt. And Aaron, I mean, this was, as you said when the brackets were announced, that it was, I don't know if you use the words unfair, but you just, you it pained you, I know, yeah. as someone who really respects both those programs and thought highly of both those teams, that you just didn't think that was a, a Super that should have been a Super Regional matchup, that those two teams should not have been matched up again. And a tough match for Vanderbilt, it proved to be a very tough matchup because, First of all, you have a Louisville team that's not that wasn't freaked out by being on that carpet. Yeah. Second of all, you had a, a Louisville team that uh, where they knew they matched up talent for talent with Vanderbilt, and they weren't intimidated. They played those guys enough over the years. And third of all, a team with some power arms. And I, I I'm sure I overdid it, but I'll, I'll say again, we had some questions from scouts here and about just how good that Vanderbilt offense was, and it was maybe more a question from a pro standpoint. But they faced pro-caliber pitching, and they got shut down. John, you're right. And, you know, you have to acknowledge at this point that Vanderbilt didn't face Arkansas. They didn't face LSU in the regular season. Um, And those are the teams, you know, that have really top-line pitching in the SEC. Mississippi Mississippi has very good pitching, too. Um, But, you know, But not top-line velocity. Bobby Wall did not have that velocity this year, and Mike Myers is good, but he doesn't have – premium velocity and all those bullpen guys for Ole Miss are not big velo guys. You know, they didn't see Suggs. They didn't see Stanek. They didn't see Nola, who's just spectacular. You're right. I mean, basically the guys who you were most afraid of in that Vanderbilt lineup by the end of the year were Tony Kemp and Xander Wheel. Yeah. You know, I, Connor Harrell, Conrad Gregor, those guys are pitchable. I'm sorry. They were pitchable. That's what scouts all all said. And they were right. And and I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, turn on the uh, the mutual admiration society light here and say that you were right about this. I mean you 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 know you questioned their offense and and because of what scouts told you, and it was you know justifiably so. I mean they're they're obviously a very good offensive team. I mean everyone no in the lineup doubt. is hitting 300. No doubt. But but against an elite pitching staff, uh, I think maybe we learned that Vanderbilt doesn't have an elite offense, just a very good offense. I I think that's it. That was the difference between elite and very good. You know. And that allows us to spin this forward because we're talking about North Carolina as an elite offense. We talked about them as an elite offense all year. And this is a team, Aaron, that is not firing on all cylinders, especially with its starting pitching. But I think that they just showed a ton of toughness the last two weekends in their regional and in their super regional. Uh, I thought that on the field, you looked at it and you just said, boy, North Carolina's got better talent than South Carolina. But they just didn't pitch. And um, they didn't pitch at all, and they hit just enough, and pitched just enough, and they got just enough Trent Thornton. That's it. Um, I said on the radio in Charlotte this morning that you know Trent Thornton, who's from Charlotte, I thought he was the difference. I thought the extra day of rest was huge for North Carolina. I think it played out that way. 
and I think North Carolina is kind of lucky to be here in Omaha with the way things have played out. But they also make, but they make a lot of their own luck. And now, hey, how lucky do you feel? You get to face Carlos Rodon for the fourth time, <laughs> uh, I guess the fifth time in his career, and then maybe the fourth time in their last five games that North Carolina and NC State are playing. This is really, Aaron, this is like when South Carolina and Clemson play in Omaha and North Carolina, NC State. I mean, the fact that Carlos Rodon has shut them down twice this year, does that mean you're not in the lead offense, or does that just mean that Carlos Rodon, when he's at his best, is the best pitcher in college baseball? Yeah, in this case, it certainly is the latter. Um, and, you know, North Carolina, I think, has, has proven that it is an elite offense. I mean, they just they keep coming. Their, their, uh, their resilience is so impressive. You know, the, really fact that, the fact that when they get down, they don't, again, like Indiana we just talked about, they don't panic. Um, and, you know, that, that happened against Florida Atlantic and it happened against South Carolina. They fall behind and uh, they just grind it back out and, and get right back in there. I mean, it's uh, that's the thing that – the reason that North Carolina's offense is so special is because of the depth. I mean, yes, you got the star power with Moran and Bolt and Stubbs in the middle. Okay, so it's star power and the depth. Right. So they, <laughs> I mean, they, they have college stars. They have a, a future big leaguer in the middle, maybe a couple, depending on what happens with Sky Bolt, which Sky Bolt, you know, you're getting. Um, and then you've got, uh, to me, uh, yeah, that depth, like you said, the Parks Jordan even coming through for you, the bomb. And yeah. Brian Holberton, like he's a kind of a unsung guy. Yeah, and Holberton's had a great year. I and mean, when you got a guy hitting down there in your bottom 30 or order with, uh, what, 11 home runs now, I think, maybe 12, whatever it is. I mean, he's got some left-handed thump. Um, and Mike Zolt's a tough out down there. And, you know, he you has, mentioned Parks Jordan. Yeah, he really has become a tough out. And Parks Jordan has become a tough out. And, you know, uh, we'll see how much of the catching thing uh, affects them going forward in the College World Series. That's a big factor, especially against uh, an NC State team that does have good team speed. They'll test Brian Holberton and, and you know, the ability of those North Carolina pitching uh, pitchers to hold them on. But, you know, Ken Emanuel, of course, holds runners better than anybody in the country, probably. Um, so, you know, that's that maybe can neutralize that a little bit, the the the, the fact they don't have maybe their, their number one catcher back there. Um, that's a great matchup. I, I mean, I imagine it'll be Emanuel on Sunday. What's today? Tuesday? Um, yeah, I mean, that's I have to imagine it's going to be a manual. Um, And, you know, the thing is, honestly, out of those two teams, I feel like at full strength, if it's starting pitching was going well, I would say North Carolina is better suited for the Coddle Series for Omaha. But I actually think that NC State, with those athletes, Aaron, and those slashers, is probably the better suited team for TD Ameritrade Park. I think you're right. I do. And and, um, they're built like – they're not as good on the infield defense as Arizona, but they're built like Arizona in terms of uh, the, the athleticism. And then that, that bullpen depth was in full effect in that 17-inning game against Rice. Absolutely. It's it's a very deep staff, and that gives them such an edge in late games, whereas you know, North Carolina, really, it's Thornton and McHugh are the two guys that they trust back there. Um, so, you know, if this thing goes to extra innings again, I think edge NC State this time, even though North Carolina has won the last couple of marathon yep. games um but you know I, I think for me Radon has been pitching so well and he does match up obviously very well against North Carolina even though he's only beaten them once in four tries he hasn't lost it's to amazing. them either <laughs> <It's> <laughs> he hasn't lost to them either yeah, it's amazing uh, he's 1-0 with three no decisions yeah, right but I mean in Emmanuel for me I mean give him credit he made two good pitches got a, got you know closed out this game today against South Carolina but um, he hasn't pitched as well here in the postseason, and uh, I don't think he matches up as well with a pretty right-handed leaning North Carolina State offense. He does have a good changeup, and he can pitch inside against righties very well. 
Right. Um, but I just think that you know he hasn't pitched as well as Radon. That's the biggest factor for me. And uh, I, I like I like the Wolfpack in that first game. I do too. I do too. Um, that said, Aaron, I've, and I forget who your bracket. My bracket picks when the whole field was announced with yeah. Oregon State on one side, LSU on the other side. I picked the O State Ballers to win uh, the Coddled Series. I'm still sticking with that pick, although right now LSU certainly looks. They're the team that had the best regular season and the, and the combination of best regular season, best talent, and best postseason to date, in my opinion. I, I, I think that's I think that's probably a good way to put it. I think LSU enters this thing as the favorite. I think they do as well. What were your pre-series picks? It was Vanderbilt, wasn't it? Did you pick <laughs> Vanderbilt to win it? Yeah, I had Vanderbilt over North Carolina. and, and you know, I, I that can't was, fault you for that. And, and that was also based partly on, you know, I figured it'd be, I thought it would be Oregon uh, coming out of that side, and I, I thought UNT matched up better with Oregon. Um, but I think, you know, since they got NC State and Redon in the first game, I think I'm going to shift to LSU also on that side of the bracket. Well, that is just <laughs> – you play all year to get to the college series, and you get there, and you see that guy again. If you're mm-hmm. North Carolina – I mean, you just got to be thinking to yourself, what do we have to do to avoid Carlos Rodon? <laughs> but the answer is you can't avoid it. You're, you can't go through it. You can't go around. I mean, he's, that's a pretty, uh, you know, whatever they've done the last three times they faced him, it hasn't worked. So they're going to have to try to come up with some other plan B. But uh, that's just going to be epic. Um, you know, some of those South Carolina-Clemson matchups have been so good and so intense, Aaron, and so chippy, <laughs> you know, the fans. Excuse me, the 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 fan hatred. Um, I just think you know, I can't. I know I'm being a little bit provincial here, but I'm just very excited for that uh, matchup, and I just think it's going to be a great matchup. It's it's too bad it won't be in prime time. I mean, I think that's clearly the better matchup, the more intriguing matchup for me anyway, and for I think a lot of college baseball people. But you know, LSU is LSU. They're going to get the prime time game. So I was about to say, there's an SEC team in play there, Aaron, that usually yep. carries over. But then I think. Uh, on Saturday, they put the basketball schools, which I think is smart. Um, mm. so we're, we're on that side of the bracket already, North Carolina and NC State. LSU, UCLA, Aaron, I mean, what a tough match for, uh, for you know, UCLA really hasn't been an offensive club all year. And the thing that killed me and made me think that, that there was no way they were going to beat Fullerton was the line in your Super Regional preview that just said, they need you to help them, <laughs> you yep. know, for their offense. They need you to walk them error here or there, then they take advantage. And that is still what they did against Fullerton. It was just shocking to see that Fullerton actually right. helped them. And, you know, in recent history, LSU has given some other teams some help. The Sam Houston State game, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, in the regional? Five errors, yeah. Yeah. So the thing is, LSU comes back on everybody. LSU never thinks that they're out of a game with that lineup. With the fact that their lineup is so varied, that there's speed guys like Laird, that there's power like Katz, that there's a lurking guy at the, in the middle of that lineup in, in Rhymes who maybe hasn't been the same guy he was last year, but always goes up to the, to the plate thinking he's going to get a hit. Uh, it just seems like that's a, a, a lineup that there's no easy outs in that lineup either. It doesn't feel like it. Maybe even no. Tyson Roth. But, and now you have a red-hot Jacoby Jones who might change everything. Yeah, I mean, it's it, you're right. There's a lot of things to, to hit on there. But I, I think, first of all, the, the five-error game was an anomaly. Yeah. Um, you know, this team's fielding 980. I mean, I don't think UCLA can count on LSU giving them anything. And what, uh, what a left side of the infield with Bregman and Ibarra. I mean, those guys are really, really 
pretty airtight on the left side. They are, and you know Jones is such an athlete on the right side, and Mason Katz is an elite defensive first baseman at the college the, level. He's the first baseman who's got drafted as a second baseman. I mean, the first baseman who there you go. the scouts I talked to all said, "Yeah, your best case scenario for Mason Katz is that he's like a second base, third base, like a super, like a Ryan Roberts type utility guy. Plays just some first, second, third, left, right." That's his big league best case scenario, according to everyone I talked to, and that's he was drafted. He was announced as a second baseman. And UCLA, you know, if we're looking at their defense, I think it's pretty comparable. They also uh, have a really good fielding percentage, and they also have a great left side of the infield with Pad Valeka and uh, uh, Kevin Kramer. And I thought it was it was a great moment at the end of Rick Vanderhoek's press conference the other day, where he was talking about you know one of the errors that one of his guys made, and he said, "Well, you know what happens? We we all make errors." And then he paused for a second and he said, except Valeka. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Pat Valeka is just so steady. I mean, he's a, re- he's a really – this is a guy that came in, John, and Savage had said first couple of years there that he's really more of a – you know, he's an offensive shortstop who uh, makes the routine plays at short. But he's become a really good standout defender. He can make the play in the hole as well as anyone I've seen this year. Um, he's got a real arm strength there, and, and, uh, and he's, he's just a smart player. He puts himself in the right position to make plays. All I know is that Rick Vanderhoek Vanderhoek has to be tired of Vallecas because Chris Vallecas was pretty good in his day. Isn't this the third Vallecas brother? Yeah, and there's another one on the way who might be the best of all of them. Are you kidding me? There's another Vallecas. There's a fourth. The youngest guy, the youngest brother is always the guy who's the best one of all of them. I know it. Isn't that funny? Um, But, I mean, like, my point is I think we both agree and acknowledge that LSU is the favorite on this side of the College World Series bracket. But – with UCLA, with that elite defense, the college game's best closer, even though he blew one against Fulton, but David Berg is the best closer out there. Yep. And I would be remiss if I didn't give props to Nick Vandertai and especially Adam Plutko. Those guys are beasts. And to be honest with you, yeah. they have had more accomplishments in their college career than the guys they followed by taking – UCLA to back-to-back college series trips, something that Bauer and Cole were not able to do for all their stuff, all their prospectingness, and for Adam Plutko to go here rounds three through ten on the second day of the draft and not get picked, and then okay, here's your reward for not getting drafted, go face Fullerton and to pitch the way he did, I was in, I, that was inspiring. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was you know, and you could just tell afterwards. Plutko wasn't in the post-game press conference, but Savage was really emotional, um, you know, for for Plutko afterwards. You know, he could tell it meant how much this guy means to him and to his program, um, and how crestfallen he was that nobody took him in the top ten rounds. Because I mean, you know, Savage really thought this guy could be a third or fourth round pick. You know, I mean, he was a top two hundred prospect for us. We thought he would go certainly on on that second day, um, and he just took it in stride. You know, he's just such a great big game pitcher, and and this ballpark, John. It plays so well for Plutko and Vanderteig because they're fly ball guys. You know, pitch pitch right above the hidden zone, let hitters get underneath the ball, hit fly ball outs in that spacious outfield all day long. I mean, it's it's really a, an ideal situation for them. And these guys, to me, John, remind me a little bit of you know, the Louisville duo. We'll get to Louisville in a minute, but you know, Green and Thompson, similarly, you know, junior right-handers um, with solid stuff. You know, they're not overwhelming stuff, but but solid. I mean, Thompson can be overwhelming. Uh, but, you know, and Thompson, I thought, did a great job pitching above the zone against Vanderbilt. Got a lot of fly ball outs and a lot of swing throughs up in the zone. Uh, and, and all those guys are big game pitchers that have won a lot of games and give their teams a lot of confidence. So even though you don't have maybe, you know, the, the spectacular Nolos and Radons on those staffs, 
you got guys that are really good and well suited for those parks and and you know experience. Aaron, uh, I agree with you. It's a, it's a, it, those are it's a it's a fun bracket. That side of the bracket is fun, but the other side is pretty intriguing. You have the bigger names in terms of college baseball history with LSU and then North Carolina with its six trips in the last eight years. Is that right? That's right. UCLA with three in the last four, and the kind of the newcomer in NC State. But if we're ranking the four teams on that side of the bracket: LSU, North Carolina, Florida, NC State, UCLA. How do you rank them? When I'm, I guess if I'm considering matchups Chances the way that, that I yeah. expect it to to yeah. go down, I guess I'll say LSU, NC State, North Carolina, UCLA. But I mean, I think it's you know you could you could see this break down a number of different ways. I mean, I, you know, uh, that's how that's I see exactly it. Exactly how I see it. Yeah, that's how I see it. But I, I think it's it's tough to tough to predict. I think NC State's speed and athleticism gives it a little edge, and then of, of course Rodon gives it a little edge as well. Okay, well we're back on the Baseball America podcast, John and Aaron. Let's talk about the uh, Saturday bracket, the games that we'll see first, Aaron, which uh, starts off with Oregon State and Mississippi State, followed by Indiana versus Louisville. i got to guess, Aaron, that Mississippi State and Oregon State have never played because I don't even think they were in the same bracket in 07 when the last time both teams were at the College World Series. I think you're right about that. This is in- interesting to me, by the way, that half the teams here were also in that 07 World Series with Louisville, yeah. Mississippi State, Oregon State, and North Carolina. Yep, that is interesting. And, it, and it, obviously for Louisville, Mississippi State, and Oregon State, it's the last time they were there. And yeah. Oregon State won the second of its national t- championships back-to-back, being North Carolina both times. But Oregon State, Aaron, got all, it could, uh, all that it could handle from Kansas State. Meanwhile, Mississippi State may be the most impressive performance by a team excuse me, in Super Regionals for the Bulldogs to go to Virginia. Pretty offensive club, a young, athletic, dynamic club, and it really just pound them two games. They just really took it to Virginia mm-hmm. offensively. Is that the best – it feels like that's the best Mississippi State has played all year. I think you're right. I think it's a good way to put it. They they peaked at the right time. And, you know, a big reason that I um, that I liked Mississippi State in this thing was I thought they had a big advantage at shortstop. You know, with Cogswell being out for Virginia, yep. um, I, Adam Frazier is a really good shortstop, and he is a, is a team leader and the guy that makes that team go. And, you know, <laughs> he really played well. Um, you yeah, know, six yeah, hits in the dynamic. first game. Six hits in the first game, a couple more in the second game. I mean, he and, and Renfro, I think now that the draft is over, I don't know if, that, if that's a factor or not, but he played great this weekend. Um, you know, big hits and hit the ball hard and, you know, just look like he's playing free and easy. And that's a good sign for Mississippi state. I, I, I like the fact that this, this team is constructed to play in, in a, in a setting or in a ballpark like Davenport field, like TD Ameritrade park, you know, it's just like, just like duty noble. It's a big old spacious outfield. And, you know, this team has, has athletes that can really track it down out there. And it's got guys that know how to use the gaps and they're not going to sit back and wait for the three run home run. Um, Aaron, so, to, to me, I just have so much respect for what Mississippi State has done this year, considering they got to Omaha, but they, they, they haven't had full four C.T. Bradford. He's just not the same player. I know he was good this weekend, but he's not quite – maybe maybe he's just getting back to that form now. But pre-shoulder injury, um, you know, pre-shoulder injury, uh, C.T. Bradford was pretty doggone great. Yeah. He wasn't that guy this year. Uh, maybe he's just getting back to that now. And then you throw on top of that, um, you know, Jacob Lindgren hasn't been the guy they thought they would. Nothing's gone according to plan, really, for them, except for Renfro and Frazier. And yet they've still figured out a way to get to the College Series. I think it's a pretty impressive job by that coaching staff. 
Yeah, it is. I completely agree. It's a, it's a very good staff, and they've gotten a, they've they've gotten these these players in position to succeed, you know, and and uh, they've come to terms with the fact that they don't need to get seven innings out of their starting pitcher because that ain't going to happen right. most of the time. Unless Kendall Graveman, you know, he'll give you a chance to do that. But the rest of those guys, I mean, it's you know, can we get three innings? out of these guys, hand it off to Ross Mitchell and Chad Gerardo, and, and then, you know, get get us to Holder, and, and that formula works. Boy, Chad Gerardo, one of the most improved players in the country. I mean, he was useful the last three years, but in a limited role, and now he's just devastating out of that bullpen. I mean, it's just... I also will yep. vote for Mississippi State for worst hair remaining in the tournament. <laughs> what, they have a lot of hair. I'll give them that. A lot of hair over there, a lot of bad hair. Um, I think uh, I think one thing about Mississippi State, John... You know, I think they're so reliant upon Gerardo and, and Mitchell in particular that a team with more balance like Oregon State. I mean, Virginia has some balance too, but the key to beating Virginia, I think, is to shut down those left-handed bats. Yeah, Pappy um, and McCarthy, which, absolutely. Right, Fisher. And which is why which is why Gerardo and, and Mitchell were such a, a huge asset. But against Oregon State, they're so right and left, and um, you know, I think it's a I think it's a tougher matchup. Um, you know, and and. and I don't know. I mean, I, this is a this is a fascinating matchup to me. I mean, I think these are two two teams playing well and and uh, uh, very deep pitching staffs. But I think Oregon State has the advantage uh, at the top of the rotation and in the rotation in general. All three of their starters. Well, who will uh, will, will Oregon State come back with Boyd on after using him so quickly? I guess they're going to because he's clearly their guy they trust. So he pitched on Monday, so that would be four days rest, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean that's certainly conceivable. Um, but you know, maybe they maybe they will use more. I mean, um, oh no, you know, don't make me use my 1.22 ERA pitcher, please. You know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, that's you he's know, a, he is a freshman, so that, that he, is, he is a freshman. I think that's a complicating factor. Uh, I think that's a pretty big complicating factor. I just wonder about Mississippi State's pitching. I've wondered about their starting pitching all year. I just think it's hard to keep on putting yourself in a hole. Aaron's got to run, so we've got to run through the second part of the bracket a little bit quicker. And we apologize to Indiana and Louisville. We're going to give them a little bit less time. But you've talked, we talked a lot about Indiana at the Open and Louisville, Aaron. And to me, these two teams, one team is very set up for Omaha and TD Ameritrade, and one team is not. And that's no disrespect to Indiana. But this is just not a team built on speed and athleticism. It's, there's athleticism, but it's more strength than athleticism, whereas Louisville has dynamic athletes. Louisville does have dynamic athletes, and they seem like a great fit for this ballpark. But I will say that I think Indiana is capable of beating you a lot of different ways, and I think they can adapt. Um, you know, definitely their biggest advantage over most of their opponents is the ability to hit the game-changing home run. But, you know, this team actually has very good team speed up and down the lineup. I mean, DeMuth can really run. Justin Curitan can really run. You know, Nolden and Soika, that platoon they got in right field, those guys can run. Donley runs well for better than you'd think. Even Schwarber and Travis um, are, are, you know, they, they run okay for, for their size and for what they are. Um, this is this is an athletic team, too, and, and I think that's something that probably is going to get overlooked with Indiana. So you like their athleticism it's still not to a level of, say, Indi- no. Louisville's, correct? No, it's not, and they're not as, as good of a defensive team as Louisville either. Um, although, you know, I think, I think, um, you know, Louisville doesn't have like a lockdown shortstop. You know, Sutton Wedding's a good player, but he's not he's not a Frazier right. or uh, or a Bregman. You know, he's not one of those guys that, or, or certainly Pat Valeka. Um, you know, so that, that I guess would be the one issue with Louisville's defense. But their outfield's incredible. It is I mean, incredible. And, and so is Indiana's. I mean, you saw, you've seen some of the plays Justin Curitan's made out yep. there. And, yep. I mean, he's 
the guys in left field too. I mean, the Big Ten tournament, both you know, Soika without standing out there. I mean, it, this is this is a fascinating matchup. A lot of athleticism on both sides. You do have to give Louisville the athleticism advantage and the starting pitching advantage. I think with uh, I, with Chad Green, you know, I, I was not impressed really with Indiana's starting pitching. Um, right. Th- this past weekend, I mean, Slager's really struggled against Florida State, and you know, Donato's good and he'll compete and battle, but he's not going to dominate you. Boy, Louisville, uh, so many arms at their disposal, power arms. Thompson was awfully impressive in that second game. Uh, I thought he made a lot of pitches when he had to. I was impressed with his poise, yeah. impressed with his stuff, yeah. um, not impressed with their uniforms. <laughs> you know, we've got <laughs> so we have a couple of, I believe, Indiana's an Adidas team. Uh, yep. Louisville, NC State's an Adidas team. We could have some pretty ugly uniforms at the Caldwell Series this year, and but uh, I don't know how you felt about NC State's White Sox imitation uniforms. I liked those okay. I just didn't care for the for Louisville's pink and pinker numbers. Uh, that didn't do it for me. Yeah, it was like early '80s Astro style. Uh, I guess Mississippi yeah. State had the same thing too. So that's what that, that bracket. O State has been known to rock some pretty ugly uniforms. Boy, that side of the bracket could get sartorially there could be some non-sartorial splendor give me the classic gold purple and gold of lsu those are those are regal looking colors uh i don't think indiana does anything funky do they i feel like they're very traditional with like stanford-esque it is stanford-esque which is not a good look (laughs) you know Mm, throw some buttons into the mix you know we don't have to have v-neck pullovers this is the 1975 red sox here you know so uh what's your pick there and on this side of the bracket how you ranking them one two three four I'm going. Uh, I'm going. Go I'll, I'll let you know. I'm going O State Ballers one, because uh, I'm sticking with O State. O State Ballers, and then Louisville, uh, U of L, I guess I like to be called, is my two. I, I have to say Mississippi State three, and uh, you know, no offense, but Indiana four. I also like Oregon State. I think their their rotation is just so good, top to bottom, and and uh, uh, that to me is a separating factor because I mean all these teams. Are, are pretty good offensively and defensively. Um, and, you know, they all have good bullpens. But I, I just think Oregon State feels like the most complete team just by a hair over Louisville. I, it is very State close. I think it's very yeah. close. Yeah, I mean, those really all, all four of these teams, because I, I think Indiana has a better chance than you do probably. I, I would rank Indiana third and then Mississippi State fourth. But, again, I mean, throw them in a hat. I wouldn't be surprised if any of these teams won this bracket. Yeah, you have uh, seen a lot of Indiana. I've only seen them those couple of games uh, on the Big Ten Network during the year, and then uh, I think Kevin Kugler did them all. I have a Kevin Kugler alert, so it goes off. Nice. I- I'm, I'm kidding about that part, but I know Kevin listens to this podcast. So. Um, but, yeah, I, I do have Indiana fourth. I feel like it's a huge accomplishment just for them to get to the Caldwell yeah. Series. Indiana, to me, the biggest problem is they're they're the easily the worst defensive team in this bracket, and so um, I think that is – probably their their limitation here so we're both picking an oregon state lsu final i'm picking i'm sticking with the oregon state beavers you're picking the tigers am i correct that's right aaron uh the pleasure has been all mine and i'm sorry that we have to cut this short uh we are going to have a google hangout i believe it's going to be friday time tba check aaron's twitter check my twitter probably saturday right when we do it before each day of games is that what we talk well, i about? think we're going to do one just like a college World series preview oh, okay. hangout on friday and then we will gotcha. do our picks blogs will be i think we're going to do instead of blog posts we're just going to do quick google hangouts before the games start so live from the marucci field house that's right that's right that's uh that, that's exciting it's an exciting partnership that we're looking forward to taking advantage of and uh Aaron and our own Jim Schoenard will be in Omaha from the start. Aaron will be there from start to finish. 
Jim will be there for the first four days of games, his first trip to Omaha, his maiden voyage, and I will be bringing up the rear at the finals uh, with uh, my uh, young Padawan learner, my son, Alex. So looking very much forward to that. I need a new Padawan, Aaron, since now you're uh, off in, uh, in a Jedi on your own. So uh, safe travels to Omaha, Aaron, and look forward to seeing you there. All right, for Aaron Fit, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you on the next Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.